All right. The title of this message this morning is Laugh It Up. Laugh It Up. Something happened to me earlier throughout this week. I was out at work. I work for a moving company, right? And while I was out at work, I was attempting to give the gospel to a coworker of mine. I've heard it said once before that, you know, the workplace is not necessarily the right place to be giving the gospel. And that's true because when you're at work, you're on your boss's dime. You're out there to help him make money. You're in, your boss is in business to make money. And when you're at work, you should be there for your boss, doing whatever you can to help him out. But the job that I do specifically, you know, I also do a lot of service. I drive around and I, you know, bring people furniture and I move from place to place. So when it comes to coworkers, I was told a long time ago, when you're in the truck by yourself with a coworker, it's appropriate to give the gospel. And I did. I attempted to. You guys know since I've been here, since I've been at work, I've given the gospel to a handful of my coworkers, some of which get saved and some of which don't. This one coworker in particular, right? I was giving him the gospel. Well, giving him the gospel, this, this, I'm going to call him a kid, even though he's actually older than me. I think he's like 32 or 34. He doesn't act like his age, obviously, and he uh, is a very immature guy and I'm going through the plan of salvation, but I'm giving it to him in tidbits, not normally like how he would at the door, because obviously that's the best way to present the gospel is going through the simple, you know, way of salvation, you know, the Bible way to heaven. But in this scenario, I kind of had to like jump around and explain some certain things. And this guy is wanting to be a DJ, like that's like his thing. He wants to be a professional musician, DJ, and like going around and doing parties for people and stuff like that. So as I'm going through the plan of salvation, right, I noticed that before this, a lot of the coworkers and me and others, you know, it's okay to have a good time, to go around and laugh and be silly and have jokes and, you know, just kind of have make light of things. But when it comes to work, it's called work. It's not called play, right? It's a place of business. It's a place that we're to go to, to take serious, especially as we believe that the Bible clearly teaches as sole providers of our houses as men, you know, take our work very serious. And when I'm on the clock and I hear the young guys chatting around and being goofy and silly, I think I need to lead through example away and showing them how to be serious, how to know when to be silly and goofy and fun and know when to be serious and stern and, and be important. So they, everyone knows this guy is that silly, goofy, easygoing, jokeful guy, right? And you know that guy that just is always about having fun. It's always a joke and life is nothing serious. I mean, we all know the famous quote from the Batman scene of the Joker, right? He looks at Batman, he says, why so serious, right? And that's the character, the Joker, which is a clown, which is, a, which is someone that doesn't, he's an evil person. But nevertheless, right, as I'm attempting to give him the gospel, all of a sudden, he is critically listening. He's critically listening, and he, and he wants to know what the Bible has to say and what I'm trying to show him. And I go through the whole plan of salvation. And what's funny was at the very end, when I, he never called upon the name of the Lord, he had a lot of hang-ups. He had a lot of, you know, arguments. And, you know, as the Bible clearly teaches, an heretic after the first and second admonition reject, right, and move on. 
and you know I'm giving him time and chance and chance and when at, when the end came he just he didn't believe it and I was like okay well at least I sowed a seed or I may have watered a plant or I did something to give you the truth and in the process of this at the very end he looks over at me and he goes now I'm depressed now I'm really upset I didn't want to hear this this is the last thing I wanted to hear I didn't want to know the truth of heaven, hell, God, judgment, and these things. So when I, re when I looked over at him, I realized, as the Bible clearly teaches, right? Remember the bulletin that I showed you guys earlier? Look down at it, your bulletin. In Isaiah 22, verse 13, it says in the latter half, Let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we shall die. See, the world does not want to know about the things of God. They don't want to know there's a future judgment coming. They just want to eat, drink. They want to be married. They want to have fun now. They want their best life now. They want to have fun now. And you know what? They're going to laugh it up. Laugh it up. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, we're all going to die. And death is inevitable. Some people don't think so. Some people don't think they're ever going to die. But the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. It is inevitable that you will die and you will meet your maker the question is, are you a sheep or are you a goat? And if you're a sheep and you're a child of God, you're in God's blessing, you're saved, you're sealed into the day of redemption, you will see the Lord Jesus Christ and brothers and sisters who have also believed. But if you're a goat and you have not believed, there is an eternal judgment for you. There is an eternal pit of hell that is waiting for the unsaved. And the Bible makes very clear that if you do not put your faith in Christ, you will end up in this place. It says, for instance, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable, the whoremonger, the sorcerer and murderers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And we preach that time and time again. And you know and I know that when we go out preaching the gospel, haven't you had it to where you're attempting to show someone God's glorious gospel, the message of hope, the message of salvation and the lost. And as you're explaining it, they laugh at you. They laugh. They mock at it. They think it's a joke. They think it's a game. And you know what? I just tell them, I just think to myself, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. But nevertheless, laugh it up. Because at the end of the day, is it me you're trying to make fun of? And they are. They're trying to associate us with the plan of salvation because we should. We are ambassadors, right, in Christ's stead. And we need to know that when the unsaved are laughing at you, they're not laughing at you, they're laughing at God because we are representatives of God on earth. Now, like I mentioned before, our bulletin, right? I don't know if you've noticed by now, but we have a verse and a picture that's associated to the sermon. Now, look down at the picture, if you would, on the bulletin. This is a very iconic image. It is an image that is actually found in ancient Greece. And I'm going to read for you what the Wikipedia says the origins of this image is. It's the laugh now, cry later image. It's two masks, one smiling and being silly and giddy, and the other one is crying and weeping. And it says in Wikipedia, the image of two masks, one frowning and one smiling, are symbols of the performing arts. And the last, or in the past, this symbol was often used on maps to indicate a theater. This symbol originated in Greece. So back in ancient Grecian Empire, when you wanted to know where the theater was or the place of entertainment and fun, 
they associated this image to where the theater was, where the performing arts would be, where the puppet show would be, where the place of entertainment would be. So obviously, this image, I believe, is a very accurate representation of what the world is going to experience. They will laugh now. Laugh it up. But if you don't take serious God, heaven, hell, the Bible, and things like that, you will cry later. And not only will you cry, you will weep. You'll be gnashing your teeth. You'll be in anguish and torment forever. And that word doesn't sink into a lot of people's mind. Forever. Never end. Everlasting punishment prepared for the devil and his angels. And I want us to understand the severity of what is going on around us, but not to be discouraged when you're laughed at, when you're made fun of. Look, they made fun of the prophets. They made fun of the disciples. They made fun of Jesus Christ himself. But who's going to be laughing at the end? Look down, if you would, at Proverbs chapter 1. Look at verse 26. What does it say? I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your, des uh, your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. You know, one day the Lord, and it's true, the Bible makes very clear, the Lord is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Nevertheless, there comes a time when God says, I will love them no more. And this is a problem in the state of Christianity today. They don't think God is serious. They think God is only love, all love, and not judgmental, and not some man of wrath. God is vengeful. He is jealous. He is all loving, and he's all these attributes and some. So this gets me into my first point. My first point is this. The world just wants to be amused all the time. And look, I tend to fall guilty of this sometimes. I want to have a good time in my life. I remember when I first married my wife, something I explained to her is that in my life, I want to go around having as much fun as I possibly can. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you got to remember that at the end of the day, life is more than just fun. It's the icing on the cake. It's the cherry on top. It's the nice parts of life. But the Bible teaches us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, right? There's a time to laugh and there's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance, and I don't know the other part to that one. But there's a time and a season for everything, and it is appropriate to sometimes not have fun, not to be amused, not to be having our fancies tickled, so to say, because life is more than that. Now, the unsaved, they don't understand this. The unsaved are going around in, in, in their life trying at all points to have a good time. They're trying to suppress the facts that they're miserable and depressed. And, you know, if, if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you this, you're miserable. You may be putting a front out to everyone that you're not miserable, but at the end of the day, who are you trying to convince? Me? Because you didn't convince me. The Bible told me that without Christ, they're all destitute. They're all, everything's vain. It doesn't matter. And the unsaved are trying to fill the hole in their heart that Jesus is supposed to fill with something else. Fill in the blank. Here's something that a lot of people like to try to fill it with. Entertainment. Television. I went on to... You remember Brother Raymond? He was here just recently during the second year anniversary. 
when I was at Faithful Word Baptist Church, Brother Raymond was at the preaching class, and he preached a subject one time on television consumption. And I went and found the facts, uh, the stats of where he got some of his facts, and he said something to me that really rang loud in my ear, that the amount of television consumption that the world consumes in is mind-boggling. Did you know, according to the A.C. Nielsen Co., which I don't know what organization that is, but according to this organization, the average American watches more than four hours of television each day. There's 24 hours in a day, 16 hours of which you're awake, and four hours of those is spent just on television. On the average American, I wasn't able to find the stats of the rest of the planet. I looked through some different sources. Nothing was very dogmatic. They just kind of generalize and they put averages, which doesn't make sense, unfortunately, because you can't, you can't find out world consumption because of averages, because this place may consume more than this place. So they're just taking both numbers and saying, well, on average, the planet as a whole. But nevertheless, Americans consume four hours of television every day. Do you know what that adds up to in a week? In one week, 28 hours of television is consumed. 28 solid hours. There's seven days in a week. More than one complete day is just television. 24 hours in the day, right? So 24 and four extra hours as a whole are what Americans are consuming in their TV consumption. And look, the TV has nothing to offer you. It has nothing that is beneficial for you. I mean, I do from time to time watch me a documentary. I do from time to time watch me something educational. I even watch something that is entertaining. There, I said it. But nevertheless, four hours? Four hours is a long time that you could fill with so much other important things. If you read your Bible four hours a day for a year, you'd read the Bible in a whole like four times. So what's more important to the person in this world? What Kim Kardashian is doing or what the Lord Jesus Christ has to offer us? And look, what does that add up to in a, uh, in a year? In a 12-month year, four hours a day, 28 hours a week adds up to two months of the year of complete television consumption. For crying out loud, could you imagine a guy sitting down for two solid months, not sleeping, just watching a screen? You want to talk about programming. You want to talk about twisting how you think. Stick someone in front of a screen for two months of the year. They will be programmed, period. No matter what. I'm not above this, and neither should any of us. We need to realize the importance, the severity of our time. We only have so much time on this earth, right? And we need to find ourselves utilizing our time in the best way possible. I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm saying the fun should not be the priority. It should not be the majority. It should not be most often is fun. Now, If you take this to consideration, this is just television. I'm not getting, I'm going to get into other things, but I don't have a lot of stats on these other things because I didn't have enough time to prep this all in my sermon. But what else are other things that people use to fill their time with for fun? Drugs, alcohol, which falls into drugs in my opinion, partying, which I one time had a conversation. What, define party. What does this mean to party? 
You know, because it's funny if you think about it, right? I remember when I was young and stupid, I partied. What does this mean, right? Well, you're dancing. Well, why don't you just call it dancing? Well, you're drinking. Well, why don't you just call it drinking? Well, I'm talking to friends. Why don't you just call it valaoing with friends? See, there's a difference. But you, you, they just put it under a generic term of party. Why? Because it sounds fun. It sounds exciting. It sounds like something you desire and want. Let's party. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to dance. Why don't you just say we're going to go dance? Oh, we're going to go, you know, talk story with friends. Why don't you just say we're going to go talk story with friends? They want to use this term on a very specific reason. We're going to party because it appeals to a younger demographic. And I couldn't, like I said, find statistics and stats on how many people participate in drugs for entertaining reasons because you know and I know that I would venture to guess 75 to, to even 80% of people are probably consuming and using drugs for entertainment. And what good, it's not helping your physical health, it's not helping your mental health, they're just doing it because they are trying to either suppress something, numb something, or they're trying to have fun. And look kids, listen up. The Bible says that there are people who enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that things that are sinful are not pleasurable. But they are pleasurable for a season, which means a small moment in time. But you got to realize that your parents, the Bible, are teaching you things that will give you fun for your whole life. The whole spectrum of your life. You can have a lot of fun in a short period of time, or you can have a little bit of fun throughout your whole life. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a good, wholesome, moral game night with your family, friends, and brothers, and sisters, and talking about wholesome things, and having a singing to the Lord. These are great things. I have fun when I sing. I don't know about you guys, but I do. I have fun when I'm talking doctrine with brothers and sisters in Christ. I have fun when I'm playing a generic board game with someone. But I don't need to go out and get inebriated to have fun and that's what I'm trying to get at they don't understand that they don't even know how to have normal clean natural fun but turn if you would to Proverbs chapter 23 a lot of what we're going to be in is in the book of Proverbs and I forgot to quote it but a moment ago it talked about the simple one right people who are out trying to have fun are constantly just simpletons and there's nothing wrong with being simple but staying in your simplicity is a problem. The Bible says we need to get wisdom. We need to educate ourselves. We need to press towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. We want to go into perfection. We want to educate ourselves. That's a good thing. Let me tell you this. Sometimes educating yourself is not fun. I'll admit that. Learning another language, strengthening your math, you know, doing your history, your science, is not always the funnest thing. But the end thereof, you'll realize that it's better off for you. You're actually going to have more fun in life. You have more knowledge. But the simple person is out in their life not trying to further their education, sharpen their mind. They just want to stay simple and enjoy shallow things. Things that are not really deep. Things that are just... I mean, similar to that of children. Children are easily amused, and that's fine. It's nothing wrong if kids laugh at a, at a simple joke. But elder people, people who are in their 
20, 30, 40s laughing at something that's not even funny. And you know and I know. One of the most irritating, ridiculous things to hear is a bunch of drunk people bantering and sounding like a bunch of idiots laughing at nonsensical stuff. Look, it's ridiculous. They're, they're so out of their mind, they look and sound like children in ways. But look down at your Bible, if you would, at Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29. What does the Bible tell us about people who are using drugs to find entertainment? Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29, it reads, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? All three of those don't sound good, right? Woe? Sorrow? Contention? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. So I'm going to pause there really quickly on verse 32. At the last, it biteth as a serpent and stingeth as an adder. So remember, like I said earlier, kids, there is a pleasure of sin for a season. And like I said, I would be doing you guys an injustice if I wouldn't warn you of the, the wiles of sin. They look appealing. They, in ways, probably are very appealing but they at the last will sting like a serpent and bite like an adder. Meaning that the end of that, you'll have wounds, you'll have woes, you'll have sorrows, you'll have redness of eyes, you'll have wounds without cause. So is it all worth it in the end? No, it's not worth it. I have a saying in my house and it's choose your suffering. You either suffer a lot for a short period of time or you suffer a little throughout the long period of your life. And let me tell you this, if you choose your suffering in life, you're going to find yourself having a better life in the whole. Because you can either get it all at once, or you distribute it on your own self-discipline throughout your life. Meaning that when your friends try to make fun of you for not going out and hanging out and partying with them, and they laugh at you. Look, I know it hurts. I know peer pressure exists. I know it's not fun to be laughed at by your friends. But look, what's the title of this message? Laugh it up. Take it to the bank. You don't even realize that at the end of that road is mirth, heaviness, wickedness, destruction. Remember the story of the prodigal son, right? He wanted to go out in his life and enjoy it all now. Take it all in. Party. And what happened to him? He destroyed his life. Now praise the Lord, the prodigal son got it right and came back and was willing to understand the errors of his ways because he had a good father that raised him in a good godly home and he realized what was bestowed upon him from a young age but not a lot of the world is like this do you think that people are hearing messages like this constantly not at all you know this i know this they are wanting to surround themselves with people that will tell them what they want to hear not what they need to hear what they want to hear. The Bible says in the end times, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, meaning they're going to find people that tell them what they want to hear. But nevertheless, what does the Bible say? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and doctrine. Meaning that we first reprove someone. We then rebuke them. But the end is to exhort them, to lift them up. 
But nevertheless, let's keep going. The end of that road of drunkenness, drug abuse, and all these things that the world has the offer is woes. It goes on to read in verse 33, Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. For crying out loud, you and I know about people who have drug addiction. People who are addicted to this lifestyle, who desire this lifestyle, who want this lifestyle. And I wish, more than ever, some of my loved ones, I could grab, shake it out of them. Because the Bible makes very clear. Reprove enters more into a wise man than a stripe on a, a hundred stripes on a fool's back. If I could beat someone a hundred times on their back and at the end of that they get it, then I would do it. Whoa, oh, why would you want to beat someone? Because I want what's best for them. I want them to realize that if they continue on this road, it's going to destroy them. Well, who are you to judge? How do you know these things? The word of God has told us that the end of these things, it bite us as an as a adder and stingeth like a serpent. So you can either believe it or not. Nevertheless, laugh it up. And remember that coworker I mentioned in the beginning, right? Who was telling me he was depressed, but what do you think he did the second he stepped out of the truck? He went and laughed up another joke and made fun and was just constantly enjoying the rest of his day. What does it say in this verse? In verse 35, They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and, when, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. For crying out loud, as a dog returneth to his vomit, so is people who are willing to go back to their folly. Okay, David, we get it. The world out there is laughing up a storm. They're making fun of the things of God. They're not taking these things serious. Well, why would they do this? They want to be amused all the time. They consume television. They're into drugs. But here's the thing. The world, back to this television consumption, what is the world teaching people? The world is teaching people that you do not ever want to have a negative feeling. You do not ever want to be depressed. You do not ever want to hate something, be negative, be upset, or any of that. Anything that is bad, negative, anger, hate, is equals bad, period. That's what the world is pushing. The world wants people to think that if you are sorrowful, there's something wrong with you. Why are you sorrowful? Well, for crying out loud, there have been people who have lost loved ones and they get in the business world time of mourning, right? Which is natural. That's appropriate. That is good. If you lost a loved one, a brother, a sister, a wife, a husband, a, a mom, a dad, a grandma, grandma, you lost someone that is near and dear to you and that makes you sad, you're not crazy. That is okay. But the world looks at you and say, well, what's wrong with you? Why are you sad? You shouldn't be. Here's some antidepressant. You should not be depressed about this. Why are you depressed? Because I lost a loved one. And even for the Christian who truly understands that their loved one is saved and on their way to heaven, we don't need to mourn as the heathen do. Nevertheless, we mourn. Mourning is okay. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. And in our lives, Jesus Christ was known as a man of much sorrow. Jesus Christ 
went around his life doing good, preaching the gospel, preaching the truth, healing people, doing all these things. But if you can associate a term to Jesus, you know what it was? Sorrow. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He who knew no sin, he became sin for us that we may be known as the righteousness of God in him. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. If anyone in this world had any reason to not be punished or not take on the struggles that we deserve, it's Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, he did that because he loves us. And we need to look at that as an example and realize that our Lord who we serve was known as a man of much sorrows. So I'm not saying go around as a sad sap and, and just be sad all the time and be depressed. But it's okay from time to time to look at your nation, look at your island, look at your family and the degeneracy of man and be sad about it. What was Jeremiah known as? He was known as a weeping prophet. He wrote the book of Lamentations, which is another word of saying crying. He was sorrowful. He looked at Judah and was sad. He didn't want to see his people destroyed, but he knew God was just. And he knew that God was going to do what he said he would do. And he came to the people of Judah and the rest of the world and said, repent, get right with God. He does not want to destroy you, but he will. And it's not going to be fun. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So if in your life you find yourself having sorrow, empathy, anger, hatred, these things, take it to the bank as long as what you're negative towards is righteous and godly, then you're on the right track. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That means there's a time where you are to be angry. Like when the pedophile gets away with what he's done. Like when the murderer gets away with what he's done. Like when our nation goes and wages war with foreign invaders that we have nothing to do with. Like when the people around us in our nation are just folding and folding and not coming to God. It's okay to be sad. I know I find myself sad for, let alone the people here in Hawaii, but for my personal loved ones, for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Look, I have struggles. You have struggles. We all have struggles. The Bible says, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you guys need prayer, and I want prayer, I'm going to come to you for when I have problems. But don't let people tell you that if you're sad, angry, or upset, that that equals bad. How dare you? Who do you think you are? What's wrong with you? Here's a pill. This will make it all go away. Here's some drugs. This will make it all go away. Here's the screen. Watch this. This will make you feel good. You need to feel good. Laugh it up. Because tomorrow you will die. You know what? So look down at your Bible if you would. Turn to 2 Kings. And while you turn from there, I'm going to read from you from this article from the Pharmaceutical Journal. More than 20 million, let that word, let that number sink down into your heads and hearts. More than 20 million antidepressants were prescribed between October and December of 2020 a 6% increase compared to the same three months in 2019. According to statistics reported by the NHS Business Service Authority, and they give this long acronym, NHSBSA, overall, the statistics show that 23% more patients 
received an antidepressant item in the third quarter of 2020 through 21 compared to the same quarter in 2015 through 2016. So let me let that sink down into your 23%, 6% increase, 20 million more dosage of antidepressant to people. Because why? Look, last year sucked in every sense of the imagination. Everyone is in hardship. Everyone's going through problems. David, you just said it's okay to be sad. Yeah, but I'm not telling you to go to a drug to satiate that, to numb that, to make you feel better. Go to God. Why were people not begging the churches for help? Why were people not coming and asking for the service of God? Why were not people on all fours, prostrated on the ground, begging God for forgiveness, begging God for mercy? Because they're not understanding the truth of what the Bible has taught us. Look, laugh it up. It's going to happen soon to a theater near you. But it goes on to say, but the NHSBSA report on the statistics noted that across 2020 as a whole, the rate of increase in antidepressants prescribing slowed in fewer items prescribed than would have been expected based on 2019 trends. So basically they're saying there was a time before 2020 where it was slowing down. Now notice they didn't say it dipped. They're saying it plateaued. So there's an increase of antidepressants. 2019, plateaus. 2020, wang, it rockets up. And then it goes on to read, antidepressants have been steadily increasing in usage since 2015. So from 2015 to modern day, there's been a steady increase of people consuming antidepressants. The report says... With 20.5 million antidepressant drug item prescribed between October and December 2020 compared with 19 million, 19.3 million items during the same three months in the previous year, all of the drug groups observed a large increase in monthly prescribing on average 5% points, percentage points between these areas. So basically they're just saying that there's been a slow increase, but specifically in those three months, it was drastic. It, went, it dramatically raised up. And they try to associate, well, because of lockdowns, because of this and because of that. And arguably so. Yeah, it probably was because of lockdowns and these things. But like I said, nevertheless, did they come crying to God? Did they do what the people of Nineveh did and in sackcloth and ashes beg the Lord for forgiveness? No, they didn't. And if they did, what did God say? The Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, should turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll heal their land. Did you know that pestilence and famine and disease is a judgment of God in ways? Some people don't get that. They think it's a man-made thing and it's man-operated and maybe it is. But I believe that the God I serve is the creator of the universe and can put on a people a plague, the botch of Egypt or fill in the blank. And like I said, we don't need to, in our lives, go around pretending like all is well and dandy when it's not. Look, things are bad out there. And I know I've said it from time to time. I know every other Sunday I get here and I'm like, look outside, look outside. But seriously, stop every now and again. While you're at the store, while you're shopping, while you're on your way to work, and look around. Like, truly look at people. They're not happy. They're pretending to be happy. They're putting on a facade as if they're good. 
and they're inebriated, they're intoxicated, they're numbing themselves, and they'll laugh and joke and be giddy and be silly, but in their hearts, they are hurting. And we need to, as the church, the institution of God to mankind, show people the light, the message of hope, the salvation, that if they would just simply believe on Christ and follow him, then they'll live a decent life. They'll actually be happy. For crying out loud, the Bible says the way of transgressors is hard. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. So Jesus has a burden. It's a yoke. A yoke is an instrument that you put on an animal to help plow fields. But he has a yoke. You have to be willing to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. You have to be willing to love your neighbor as yourself, which means not being selfish. And, and, and see what you can do for someone else. I'm hungry, I'm hurt, and I have a, lo a loaf of bread. I'm going to cut this in half and give it to someone else. David, you could use that. You worked for it. Yeah, but you know what? This bread is going to perish and be gone. I have the bread of life, the words of God, the things that will help people on a spiritual matter. It's not this physical food that matters. It's not the physical house, the AC, the car. These things don't bring you satisfaction satisfaction I, I'm missing the term you're not gonna be satisfied thank you satisfaction oh man it's not gonna bring you satisfaction these things the sports the, the music that everything that this world has to offer outside of the things of God what did Solomon say in the book of Ecclesiastes vanity of vanity all is vanity not some is vanity all is vanity if it doesn't bring you closer to God it's vain period where you are in 2 Kings, this is an example of people trying to make fun of the man of God. This is Elisha, the protege of Elijah. Elijah and Elisha represent John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ. Elisha was mocked and made fun of. And look what it says in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. And he went up from thence unto Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head, go up, thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. And he went from thence to Mount Carmel and from thence return to Samaria for crying out loud how many times have you gone out soul winning and people are laughing at you and mocking you and like ah look how stupid you are look at you wasting your time and all this stuff now, remember in the New Testament right when John I think it was James with the Lord Jesus Christ and they go to this one city and they reject them the Bible says you know if this city won't hear you shake off the dust off your feet and move on right John and James which mind you John is the beloved disciple. He's the one that leaned on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. He's the one that said, Do you, would you that we pray to God that fire come down and rain on these people like Elisha did, Elijah did? Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. I've come not, you know, for the right, I've come not for uh, the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I've came to seek and to save that which is lost. So obviously when we're out at the door and people are mocking and making fun of us, I don't think you should go out of your way to pray that God 
send she-bears or fire from heaven to destroy them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But be willing to be mocked and ridiculed for the Lord Jesus Christ. Be willing to accept someone laughing at you for crying out loud. If you can't, if you can't learn to laugh at yourself, there's a problem. Look, I just, it's, to me, it's a pet peeve because, like, you know, I don't know. You go out and, like, some people just wear their, their feelings on their sleeves and, like, how dare you laugh at me? Who do you think you are? And they try to defend themselves all the time. It's like, look, get over yourself, bro. Like, it's okay. They're not... They're making fun of you because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and mind you, I will be defensive towards the Lord Jesus Christ. But at the same time, I don't need to defend him. He's going to defend himself. Like I said, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I don't truly want someone to, who makes fun of me to go to hell. Now, a child of the devil who's willing to fight against the Lord. Yes, I do want that person to burn and go to hell. But nevertheless... The average Joe out there is not a child of the of the devil. He's just a guy who's who's confused, who's programmed, who has no idea. And I hope that in his life he learns to be softened to the message of salvation so he can get saved. Because what if that happens? Let's say you go to a door. Guy makes fun of you. Three years later, you see that same guy in your church, saved, puts their faith in Christ. You need to open him with welcome arms and say, hey, praise the Lord. You figured out salvation. You made fun of me in the process. I can handle it. Like I said, we need to be tougher than that. I mean, like I said, another message for another time. But turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2. And this is the last place I'm going to have you look. Ephesians chapter 2. The reason why I say this is because I was deceived you were deceived. We all, at one point in our life, were not saved. We didn't understand the gospel. We didn't know the things of God. We didn't know what we know today because no one showed us. No one taught us. We didn't care. So we need to understand that though the world's laughing at these things, though the world doesn't care about these things, though the world is numbing themselves, though they're making fun of us in the process, we can be above reproach. We can be a light under the Gentiles. We can be the salt under the earth. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, you know, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. If you're not willing to live godly in Christ Jesus, if you're not willing to get out and go preach the gospel of the lost, you're not going to be persecuted. And if you don't want that life, then that's between you and God. But I want to, in my life, go to the grave saying, I've done everything I could for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want him to look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you shall be persecuted, period. It's what the Bible promises. But look down, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. What does it say? And you have he quickened. The word quickened, it doesn't mean fast, it means brought to life. And you have he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, were in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, 
among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up to gather or together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. The same man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we what should walk in them. Title of this message this morning is Laugh It Up. Laugh it up, people. And you Christians, same thing. If you're not choosing to deny yourself and go serve the Lord Jesus Christ and are filling yourself with entertainment and fun and amusement, laugh it up. Because you're going to lose rewards in heaven. You're going to lose people saved that you could have got saved. You will get to heaven. You're saved by grace, as it said clearly. But when you get there, the Bible says, He that goeth forth and what weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Like I said, choose your suffering. Weep now, laugh later. The world says, laugh now, and they will weep later. Let us follow, emulate the Lord Jesus Christ, be people of sorrow, but be, as Paul says, content in all things, whatsoever state we are in. I've learned how to abase, and I've learned how to abound. In all things, I've learned to be content. Beaten, imprisoned, made fun of, mocked, ridiculed, all of it is worth it at the end when the Jesus looks down and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Title of this message this morning is Laugh It Up our heads and have a word of prayer dear heavenly father thank you so much for your word thank you so much for salvation please help those who are confused and blinded by the prince of the power of the air to have softer hearts and lead us to those who want to hear the message of salvation help us to gain thick skin to be willing to be mocked and ridiculed for you and to be willing to choose our sufferings and to Understand that life is more than just about fun, but it's about working for you and pleasing you. Help us to guide us to those who want to hear the message of salvation. Help us sow seed on good ground so that they can be saved and learn to serve you for the rest of their lives. And in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. When the night has come And the land is dark and the moon is the only light we'll see.